Hello, today we have Jeff Dow, CEO, President and Director of 60 Degrees Pharma. Jeff, great to meet you. Craig, you too. Thanks, really, thanks for the opportunity to talk with you today. Jeff, please introduce to us 60 Degrees Pharma and its lead drug candidate, which is addressing that significant unmet need in COVID therapy. How did this leading drug candidate develop from your FDA-approved malarial drug, Aracoda? Craig, it's really nice to meet you, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about 60P. We're a Washington, D.C.-based uh, pharma company focused on developing new medications to prevent and treat serious infectious diseases. We have a, a corporate strategy focused on reaching late-stage clinical and regulatory endpoints, and obviously a pretty important track record in having successfully gotten Aracoda approved for malaria prevention back in 2018. Now, Aracoda, which is our branded version of uh, Tofanaquin, uh, was approved by FDA for malaria because it offers substantial benefits relative to other products of malaria prevention. And that's primarily a convenient dosing regimen. So it's a once a weekly administered product. And there's also no drug resistance which uh, simplifies the, the choice of which medication to take for physicians. Now, moving forward, uh, the active ingredient of Aracoda, which is tofenaquin, uh, in a number of clinical uh, studies and non-clinical studies has some really intriguing data in other disease areas, which we think mean that the, the, the core molecule tofenaquin can be repositioned for new, new disease areas. So during the pandemic, uh, we evaluated the um, approved regimen of tofenaquin, so Aracoda, the first four doses of that in COVID patients. Uh, and what we found was in a cluster of COVID symptoms, uh, tofenaquin accelerated clinical recovery um, amongst those patients that we enrolled. So moving forward, what we want to do is take that uh, FDA-approved regimen of tofenaquin and prove that we can accelerate the clinical recovery from COVID uh, in a phase 2B study. Thanks for that, Jeff. Now, let me review momentarily here. Malaria, you've got FDA approval. COVID, you're going after it right now. And I just heard you say that you may be going after other infectious diseases with this tefenoquin. Could you elaborate, please? Yeah, sure, Craig. So just recapping briefly, uh, our lead product, Aracoda, is approved for malaria. Uh, we're we're take, going to be taking that um, same regimen of tofenaquin that's in Aracoda. So uh, a loading dose of three days and then a once weekly dosing regimen and evaluating that for COVID in a phase 2B clinical trial. But that, that convenient uh, regimen we think may be also very useful in other disease areas. So everyone in the Northeastern United States is aware of tick-borne diseases, including Lyme disease. You may not have heard of babesiosis, which is a, a parasite related to malaria, but it's also transmitted by ticks in the same way that Lyme disease is. In immunosuppressed patients, babesiosis has a fatality rate of about 5% and can be chronic and really debilitating for patients. And typically what happens is those folks will go on five different courses of chemotherapy and not resolve their symptoms. There are a number of really exciting case reports in the literature where tofenaquin has been used on a weekly basis and has been basically the only treatment that has cured um, babesiosis infections. 
What we hope to do with collaborators in the Northeastern United States in 2024 is conduct a phase 2A clinical trial in babesiosis patients um, to prove that tofanoquine may have uh, or provide some uh, clinical benefit to them. Babesiosis is an orphan disease, so there's some real advantages from a regulatory standpoint, but it's also what we refer to as a gateway indication to a much larger universe of tick-borne diseases that we think that tofanoquine may have some utility in. Separately from that, we're also focusing on a candidiasis. You would have heard of Candida auris, which is a hospital-borne infection with a lot of drug resistance. We have some great um, non-clinical data that show that tofanoquine has an interesting mechanism of action and not any innate drug resistance associated with it. And that different mechanism of action, we think, may provide the opportunity for a, a clinical program around it in the future. The addressable markets for all of these infectious diseases that you aim to treat, do you have any idea on the size of them? Well, for COVID, we've got some pretty good idea of what the overall size of the market is based on the experience that Paxlovid, or I should say Pfizer and Merck have had with Paxlovid and Molnupiravir. We know that those two products had 12 billion in revenue in 2022, but the way the FDA wrote their labels, they're only really appropriate for treating about 75% of the US population, and that's high-risk folks. For folks who have low risk of disease progression in COVID, you still don't want to get COVID and you still want to get better from COVID. Um, but there's no FDA approved um, therapies in the market. So that's why Gilead and 60P and a number of other companies are looking for new therapeutics to fill that gap. And we think that's a multi-billion dollar unmet medical need. As it relates to um, malaria, our approved indication, we think there are around a half million prescriptions a year that our product, Aracota, could satisfy uh, on an annual basis in the U.S. Jeff, talk to us about the data that suggests that the Aracota regimen of tafenaquin for COVID can accelerate recovery. Yeah, so we enrolled 87 patients in a clinical trial in 2021, and we compared the ability of the first four doses of our regimen of Aracoda, so that's um, two tablets on day one, two, and three, and then two tablets one week later. And what we saw was about a two to two and a half day improvement in recovery from a cluster of COVID symptoms and an overall suggestion from the data that the trend towards therapeutic benefit favored uh, Aracoda versus placebo. So what we'd like to do in our next study is basically enroll about 150 patients in a new clinical trial and test Aracoda again against placebo, but specifically focusing on measuring the time to clinical recovery in patients taking Aracoda versus placebo. And we expect to see a multi-day improvement in that outcome. Aracoda, Jeff. How does it compare to existing treatments such as Paxlovid and Molnupiravir? So, you know, Paxlovid and Molnupiravir do a good job for what they're um, registered to do. That is, they prevent hospitalization in patients with a high risk of disease progression. But there's actually no evidence, no clinical evidence, that those products will accelerate your recovery from COVID symptoms if you're, if you're not at 
if you don't have severe disease or you're not at high risk of disease progression. And so there's a gap there in the market that us and other companies are trying to fill with new therapeutics. What is the strategy and what are the milestones expected as you aim to get this COVID therapy approved and to market also, Jeff, what is the expected timing? So uh, we'll be focused in 2023 on getting a phase 2B study up and running. And that will compare the approved regimen of Aracoda for um, malaria, but testing to see whether that same regimen can accelerate the recovery from COVID symptoms in, in patients with mild to moderate disease who have a, a lower risk of uh, disease progression. We hope to get that study started later in 2023 and rolling our first patients before the end of the year with the goal of completing the study in 2024. Jeff, of course, you got Aracoda approved for malaria in 2018 and to market in 2019. What important lessons did you learn in that process? I think it's really important to have a small discipline focused team with lots of subject matter expertise and passion for the product you're moving forward. My background is in basically 25 years of drug development in malaria. I'm an expert in this particular product, Aracoda and Tefaniquin, and I brought many years of experience as an army contractor with this molecule specifically, and that subject matter expertise, and then just having a small, nimble, efficient um, corporate environment, I think allowed us to really focus and get the product across the line. Uh, of course, you can't do that without funding. We had a lot of um, public support from the US Army, uh, as well as backing from a Canadian pharma company, Knight Therapeutics, and a lot of room to just run with the project and make the decisions and calls we needed to make. And it was that combination of you know, being given the space to do it, well-resourced and subject matter expertise that got us across the line. Jeff, as we wrap up today, what is the essential value proposition? Why should investors take an interest in 60 Degrees Pharma right now? Well, I think we have a lot of credibility in getting products to market. There are very few small companies who can say that with a straight face. We've done it. We've got a product with great data and a plan for new indications of both important unmet medical need for patients, but high value for investors. And we have a track record of reaching important clinical milestones very cost effectively. And it's our goal to do that again with new investors coming into the company in the future. It is a fascinating story, Jeff. Thank you for sharing the 60 Degrees Pharma story with us today. Thanks, Craig. I really appreciate your time. Some of the companies featured on this episode are red chip client companies, and we may own stock in these companies. So please always read our disclosures at redchip.com.